All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to continue our thoughts on the Jesus way to pray. We're going to get in that phrase, that idea that Jesus says, your will be done. So let's read the prayer. Can we do that together? Can we read it, recite it? Uh, Jesus said this. He said, in this manner, therefore pray. Come on together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 I hope you're getting a lot out of this. Uh, we're we're uh, just trying to pull apart the words of Jesus to get more understanding on what he's, he's talking about and how he teaches us to pray. All right, so let's talk about prayer again. Uh, the Lord's Prayer. Here's just an idea. Uh, we all know we need to pray. We all know we should pray. Uh, but most of believers even are confused or they feel weak in this area of prayer. Uh, but here, here's an idea of prayer. I want you to think about this. Prayer is a beautiful thing that is meant to start with words and lead us into the reality of the presence of God. Really? Everybody can shake your head with that one? I mean, it starts with our words for sure. And the promptings of the Spirit, where we know we need to pray, or the promptings of needs of people, or our own needs. Uh, but it starts with our words, but the reality is not to just end with our words. The reality of prayer is that we understand and, and experience the reality of God's presence. And I, I pray you do experience the reality of His presence. And stay in prayer long enough to where you can. And sometimes you've got to go into what some have called silent prayer and things like that uh, to, to really soak that in and and to really understand his presence and, and meet with him. Because the idea is not just to give God our checklist and our to-do list. And that, that seems a little sacrilegious sometimes if, if that's all we're going to do is just give God our to-do list. You know, he's, he's, he's the master, not our servant, right? Now he wants to hear, hear what you got to say. He wants to hear about your needs. But it's, it's this idea of learning to live in his presence. Now there's this idea that we, we always live in his presence, that he's ever watchful and and uh, caring for us and all that kind of thing. But then there's this idea of like God's manifest presence where you know he's in the room with you. You know he's in the car with you. You know he's out there in the deer stand with you. You know what I'm talking about? I, I hope you experience that on a, on a greater and deeper and a more frequent basis. Amen? All right. Now, Jesus here in Matthew 6 gives us a framework for prayer. This idea of a framework. It's where we can go in there and we can learn some of the structure and verbiage and language and ideas uh, that we should be communicating with God about and God wants to communicate back to us. Now we started this with some do's and don'ts. Let's just do a quick review. Jesus said don't pray like a hypocrite, right? Don't pray like an actor, like somebody acting on a stage that wants to be seen and heard. That's not what prayer is about, right? It's not, a, it's not for you to Throw out the measure of your spirituality. It's not anything like that. So Jesus said, don't be a hypocrite like that. He said, but do when you pray, go into your private place or your closet, some have said. Go into your closet and your father who hears in secret, remember we talked about that, he will reward you openly. So God's saying, hey, I, I don't want it to be me and all of us. I want it to be me and you. That's prayer. That's prayer. And then he said, don't pray like a heathen. Don't pray like a pagan. Don't pray like a, a lot of words and demonstrative actions and, and this abracadabra mentality, you know, that we've got the magic words. And if we say the magic words, then, then the magic thing happens. That's not what prayer is about at all. That's, that's like the pagans use that and they do their chants and their mantras. 
and all those kind of things. And that's a for real practice now in, 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 our, in our world. Um, God said he, he doesn't want us thinking that we can get his attention by saying a lot or saying or speaking the right words. He don't want us to even have that mentality in us. He's our father. And he's interested already. All right. So we, we're talking about this framework. Now, Jesus said, I do want you to focus and pray about these things. Now, this is just a little summary, kind of put in, in, in my words, a little summary about the prayer. Uh, he said, I want you to know and understand that God is your father. He's our father. I want you to know him as our father. I want you to honor the name of God. I want you to pray about that. I want that to be something in your, right in the, in the front of your mind all the time, honoring the name of God. I want you to pray about his kingdom coming. And hey, we talked about that last week. And then I want you to get involved in seeing that that happens in people's lives. And then what we're going to deal with today, our will, our Father's will being done in us and around us. And then our world becoming like God's world on earth as it is in heaven. And then I want you to, Jesus said, I want you to focus on this, coming to the Father for daily bread and provision of every kind and sort. I want you to talk about forgiveness. I want you, you, you need it. You need more of it. Need kind of that spiritual bath. You know, we take physical baths, hopefully, anyway, right? I met some folks that need to get a little more frequent on some of that kind of stuff, but anyway, that's another deal. <laughs> you need a spiritual cleansing. Forgiveness. I want you to be a person that constantly reaches into the idea of forgiveness because you, you, you don't want just uh, the same old, same old. You, you want a pure heart. The only way to be pure before God is forgiveness because we've already blown it so much. You know, we need His forgiveness. But we're not, not just forgiveness for you, but he said, I want you to become a forgiving person. Jesus said, I want you to pray about that. Forgive other people. It's kind of, it gets a little harder sometimes, depending on the offense. So, so I want you to learn to clean up things between you and God and you and others. Clean those things up. And then he said, I want you to pray about this. Some of you need to pray a little bit more about this. Staying out of trouble. I want you to pray about staying out of trouble. Staying free from evil. Deliver us from evil. So Jesus said, I want you to focus on these things when you pray. All right, so now we're in the third request, this idea of your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, God's will being done in our own personal lives and in the world around us, in the world in general, in fact, that's a constant desire and a focus of the believer, or at least it should be, that we want to be in the will of God. Don't you want to be in the will of God? I had a buddy, man, he was just so funny, he... He came from a really, really hard background, and he got delivered off of drugs and all kinds of madness and crazy stuff on his life. He, he went to be with the Lord kind of early in life because he kind of shot his body out. Uh, but he, was, he, he became a really good Christian brother to me, and he was a good friend. But he had a, he had a funny vernacular because he just came off the streets and the clubs. And he had a funny way of seeing the things. And, and, and when he would, he didn't know what hallelujah and praise the Lord was and all that kind of stuff. So he'd say other words and stuff like that. But there was one thing that he always would call me on. He'd call me on the phone and he'd say, he'd say, Ron, help me to be in the wheel today. Help me to be in the wheel. And then he'd call me maybe later. He said, Ron, I'm not doing good today. I ain't in the wheel. I ain't in the wheel. I ain't in the wheel. Help me get in the wheel, brother. Help me get back in the wheel. And it was just so pure and so childlike that he, he literally thought about him being in the will of God because he knew what it was like to be in the other wheel in, in, in the wrong way. So he was constantly conscious about being in the will. And I'll never forget Tommy saying that kind of stuff all the time. I, 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 and sometimes he'd call me, I'm in the will today, bro. I'm in the will. I'm in the will. I feel it. I know I'm doing the right thing. So it just I always think about Tommy when I hear this, all right? And he's, he's having a lot better time than we are right now. All right? So this is, this is a constant desire and a focus of our lives as believers 
that God's will be done in our life. Now, what is, what is will? God's will is His desire, right? God has a desire over our lives. Individually and collectively, it's His body. He's got a desire. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got an intent. When He saved you, He saved you on purpose, with purpose, for purpose. He saved you. He's got something for you to do in this kingdom that He's got. He's got a will for our lives. Now, Will can also be expressed as God's heart for you, God's mind, God's thoughts, uh, His plans and His purposes. Now here's a big question. Is God's will presently being done in the world? I mean, Jesus says, I want you to pray that God's will be done. Let me ask you, is, is God's will being done on the earth? Sometimes it is, isn't it? I mean, there's some people doing the will of God. I'll, I'll, we, we're in some of that number. But in general, collectively, all over the whole world, do you think God's will is being done? Mm -mm. Especially when you think about what, what Peter tells us, that God doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Now, is that, that's God's heart, and that's God's will. But that's, that's not happening at all, is it? So I, I think we can kind of come. There are people doing God's will, but in general, as a whole, God's will is probably not being done as much as it needs to be. I think we all can come to that conclusion. Why there's so much chaos and confusion and trouble and all kinds of things in the world because of that, that right there. So Jesus says, I, I believe Jesus is coming with that understanding. He's, he's around it all the time, knows that people aren't doing what they're supposed to do, what they need to do. And, and not only just not what's right and wrong, but what's wise and holy. So Jesus says, I want my people to be in, in prayer about this idea that God's will is done in the earth. All right? All right, everybody tracking with me. You all right? Everybody good? Now, two, two ideas of God's will is, is the will of God for everyone. You know, that's what the scriptures basically give us. It gives us the will of God for everybody, right? For all of us. For all time and history, the scripture speaks about God's plan and purposes right there. It gives us uh, revelation scriptures. It gives us uh, commands, teachings, directives, principles, precepts, all kinds of things that we all need to follow. You know, when you read the Sermon on the Mount, who's the Sermon on the Mount for? Everybody. You know, the book of Ephesians. I know it was written to the Ephesians originally, but God redeemed it and brought it all into our world and says, hey, this is for everybody. It's to all the churches. It's to all of us as believers. So there's the will of God for everyone. Okay? And that's, that's really the majority of our Christian life. You realize that? And our hearing from God is through the Scriptures and God teaching us what His will is for everybody. Okay? Now, and then when most people think about the will of God, they don't think about the general will of God, which is where we most of us live all the time. They think about the specific things, the, like the will of God for you. Like what job will you take? Who will you marry? How will you spend your finances? Uh, just, just all the decisions we have in life. You know, you don't have chapter and verse on who you would marry. It'd be nice if that was in there, wouldn't it? I'd save me some trouble. <laughs> save some of us some trouble a long time ago, right? But what we do have, what do we have, let's stay with the idea of marriage, we understand that. What do we have in scripture about marriage? Well, we've got some principles about the kind of person we should pick, the kind of people we should be hanging out with. We've got some principles to guide us along that, but there's no specific that says you need to marry Sandy. You need to marry John, Joe. Don't you wish that was in there? <laughs> Somebody could, it would save us some grief probably. But God guides us by His Word and by His Spirit 
and by wise counsel in the specific will of God for our lives, right? How do you know to take that job? If you're a believer, how do you know to take that job? How do you know that that's not going to carry you in the wrong direction? How do you know? Well, there needs to be a witness of the Holy Spirit and the peace of God that comes with it and all the things and maybe some wise counsel from other believers that, that, that can pray with you and talk with you and help you to, to make that choice. So the will of God goes to all that general stuff that we're talking about, dealing with our character and our morality and our direction and our, our, our function as a body of Christ. But what about the specifics? That's important to us at different times in our life and in the transitions of life. So be guided by the, uh, all the details. Hey, Here's the way I look at it, okay? The more we search out the will of God for everybody right here in this text, the more able we're going to be able, the more ready we're going to be able to hear the specifics of what he has for you. See, most people bypass the scriptures and want to get straight to the specifics. It doesn't work that way. Now, God can do whatever he wants. Let me correct that statement. It, it doesn't usually work that way. God can do whatever he wants. He can give you direction in your life just because he loves you. But in, in, in principle, what he wants to do is you to have your mind exercised in the wisdom of Scripture in such a way that when the specifics come, he can get that word to you. You know? All right. Will of God for everyone, the will of God for you. All right, now, your will be done. Why, why do we want to do God's will? Y'all remember that old TV show, Father Knows Best? That was kind of like a prophecy to the whole world, I think. <laughs> that was back when TV was black and white and, and, and pretty good. <laughs> father does know best. That's why we want to do his will. That's why Jesus is putting this in. Your father, your heavenly father, knows what's best for your life. On every level, in every aspect of your life, he knows what's best. Because his will is, number one, it's the way of wisdom. His will is the way of wisdom. That's just, it's just wisdom, this idea of smart. His will is the smart thing to do every single time, all the time. I like this passage right here in Proverbs 9, 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord. Now, that's not, that doesn't mean that when you see God, you're going to lock up in fear. That, that idea of fear right there is reverence and worship and awe is that when you begin to reverence and worship God as if He is God and what He says does matter, when you begin to see God in that light, wisdom begins to come to your life. That is actually the foundation of wisdom. Because if He is actually God and you're in awe and worship of Him, then you're going to heed what He says. You're going to listen to what He says. Okay? I like that, that second phrase. It doesn't get as much attention as that first one. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That when you know God, you begin to understand life. Things begin to come together for you. You get a little bit smarter. Now, not only knowing God, but the knowledge of the Holy One, you begin to know some of the things God knows. Some of the things God knows about the path that you're on. Some of the things that God knows about the people you're hanging out with. Some of the things God knows about the choices you need to make. The knowledge of the Holy One, God knows that kind of stuff. And if we draw close to Him in fear and reverence, He'll begin to give us some of that information. He'll begin to speak to you, direct you, guide you. You may hear His voice in your heart. You, you, he, you may just feel a prompting and, a, and, and almost like we call it an intuition or something like that. I know this is not the right way to go. How do you know? Just had a conversation with my daughter just a second ago. 
In fact, I was on the phone with her when you called me. She said, Daddy, I've got this. Somebody wants me to go do something, but I just know in my heart I just can't do it. It's not a terrible, it's not a terrible thing. It's not, it's not really a, a right and wrong thing. It's, it was just something she said, I know, I know, I know. And that's how she said it. I know, I know, I know. I just shouldn't even listen to them. And I said, well, you better go with that. Because if you don't, there's, there's trouble on the other side of that. You violate, you run, you know, if you run enough stop signs, eventually one of them's going to get you. And, I mean, isn't that how driving is? <laughs> Life's that way too. All right, so Father's will is the way of wisdom. His will is also this. It's the way of love. Jesus wants us living and praying into this idea of living in God's will. That his will is not just understood in our ears, but done. That's an important word in that phrase, isn't it? That it's, it's not just something we hear, it's also something that we what? We do. We do it. All right? his, his will is the way of love. His, his will and his wisdom help us walk the path of love to where we learn to love God, we learn to love our neighbors, we learn to love our enemies, we love to learn one another, uh, love one another, as Christ has loved us, loved us, all that stuff is in His will. It teaches us the way of love. Now that, that way of love is, I got a little phrase that I wrote, it's a profound prescription for a healthy society. We learn to love one another. In fact, Paul would say, in one of the letters he wrote, he said that if you love the way the Scripture talks about love, if you love, you fulfill the whole teaching and law of God. So His will is the way of love. It's the way of compassion, generosity, kindness, consideration, forgiveness, encouragement, no greed, no violence, no sinning against one another. That'd be a pretty good way to live, wouldn't it? And see, the way of love is, is good for you and I. But guess what? Because it is love, if I'm doing something that's in love, it's good for Janice. It's good for Carol. It's good for Shelly. It's good for Angel. The way of love's good for everybody. Because that consideration, that kindness, that, you know, not sinning against one another, that's the way of love. Father's will will lead us into that, into wisdom and into love. All right. Let's go to this idea of Isaiah 50, 55, 7 through 9. Another word the scripture uses in, in place of his will being done is it uses this word his way or his ways. Okay, now, Jesus even called himself that, didn't he? That I am the way, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to what he says in here, Isaiah 55, 7 through 9. It's one of my favorites in, in the Old Testament. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Now, the Lord's kind of diagnosing the problem here. The re your problem is you don't think like me. He says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay? It, it doesn't just say that His ways are better than our ways. It, he says, which they are better than our ways, but... It says that they're higher, like this ceiling is higher than my head. It's on a different plane. It's on a different level. God's on a different frequency than we are as human beings. And that His ways literally are higher than what you were thinking about. So whatever you're thinking about your future, there's something God's got that's higher that you may not have considered yet. It's higher. 
It's, it, higher is the idea of above, right? right now, now, let's bring this into Jesus' idea. Jesus brings the higher ways to us. That's what he does. He brings the higher ways of God, and he says this to all humanity. He says, it's time for you to repent or change the way you're thinking or stop and think about what you're thinking about because the kingdom of heaven has now come near to you. The higher ways have now invaded all of your lower ways. To say it according to what Isaiah said. Jesus said it's time for you to change the way your, your game's going. Change the way you're thinking about things. Because the heavens have come down to you to teach you the higher ways. And Jesus came low to make us go high. That's what he did. To bring those higher ways to us. That's why they're so challenging sometimes. When you hear Jesus speak, I mean, and you hear him talk about some of the things like forgive, and, and the disciples heard that. And they said, Lord, forgive. For how much? Seven times 70, and, and or three or four times? He said, no, seven times 70. And they said, increase our faith. Our faith's not high enough for that. When you hear Jesus' teaching, it stretches you way out of your comfort zone. Jesus starts talking about loving people and loving your enemies and blessing those who curse you and all those kind of things. That's, that's, man, that's, we didn't think of that. Those are so high and they stretch us and they challenge us. And the best thing for you to do and me to do when we hear the higher ways is not to cop out and say, man, I could never do that. The best thing for you to do is what the prophet said, forsake your ways and go higher. Let the wicked, the one that's twisted up in all their thinking and all their life, let that person forsake their ways and embrace the higher ways of God. Now, you're going to need faith to do that? Absolutely. You're going to need to believe God's going to help you to love your enemies? You're going to have to believe that. Okay? That don't mean you have to be best friends with the enemies, but that, that does mean you're not nasty like they are. At least it means that much, you know. I can say a lot of stuff right now, but I'm going to hold my tongue. When we pray like this, when we pray like this, this, these higher ways and praying for God's will to be done, what we're doing is plowing the ground of our hearts, softening the ground of our hearts so that we can receive the seed that God wants to put in there. What happens if the seed just lands on hard ground? Jesus taught us that, didn't he? What happens? The enemy just comes and eats it up gone. It doesn't have any effect. Or if the heart's not clean like it should be and, and not focused like it should be, it, it just doesn't have room. So praying like this tills the ground of our heart. Now here the Hosea the prophet say that, plow up the fallow ground. Plow up the fallow ground. That hard ground it, it can't take the seed. Plow it up. Plow it up. Keep praying. Keep praying. And it softens your heart. It gets you prepared. Gets you ready. So when the seed drops in, then the harvest can become you know, come to harvest. The seed can come to harvest. Right? I like that idea of Jesus. So, so when, you, when you're reading the Bible, maybe you want to adapt this. I, I do some of it. When I'm reading and Jesus says something to me and it really woo, makes me just want to just put my Bible down and go cry. I put my Bible down and just say, man, who, who can do this? Why don't you look, look at the Lord and say, take me higher. Take me higher in my thinking. Take me higher in my living. Take me higher in my understanding and knowledge. See what I'm talking about? All right. Help us, Lord. 
All right, now we're on these scriptures here. Everybody got those scriptures for me? All right, Miss Pat, you got that Matthew 7 right there? Why don't you read that good and loud where everybody can hear you? Now, Jesus is going to teach us about his way, and, and he, he lived this. Now, your will be done. You know, Jesus is the only one that lived that in its fullest, the way it's supposed to be lived. Listen to what he says right here about this. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. That, that scripture, every time I hear it, it makes me shudder. I want it to. Not everybody that says they're a Christian church member and all that kind of stuff is going to make it in the kingdom. But those who do what? You do the will. Who do the will of my Father. He's pretty plain about that. that that's, that's kind of one of them check yourself before you wreck yourself scriptures, you know. So Jesus, I want to, you're, you're, we're praying into that. Your will be, I want to do it, Lord. I want to do it. Your will be done. I want to do it. All right. What's, who's got the next one? Sandy, you got John 4, 34? Read that real good and loud. All right, so now Jesus has just had this conversation with the Samaritan woman. Remember in John chapter 4? And, and they came back with, with the sack full of hamburgers. Okay, the disciples did. They left him alone with his woman. She, they talked a lot. He came, they came back with a sack full of hamburgers and said, hey, we got you something to eat. And Jesus looked at him and said, I got stuff to eat y'all don't even know about. My meat or my nourishment is what that, that translation said. My nourishment is to do the will of God. What was the last part of that verse? To, To do the will of God and finish what he's called me to do. Finish his work. So they're, they're literally, you know, when we really do the will of God and do it in the, in the strength the Holy Spirit gives us, there's a regenerating factor to it. it it's a, it's, it gets you going. It doesn't take from you. And that's what Jesus said. I got something going on y'all don't know nothing about. I'll tell you where I get my kicks. My kicks are not at the restaurant down there where y'all got them burgers. My kicks come off of doing what God called me to do. That's pretty good. Who's got the next one? Miss Jenny, what's that scripture? What is it? It's John 5.30. All right. I can of myself do nothing. <laughs> As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Okay, so Jesus said, I don't, I'm not coming to do what I want to do. I'm coming to do exactly what God wants me to do. Now, see, that's, that's why we call him the Savior right there. That's what he came to do to fulfill God's plan and purpose for all of humanity. I didn't come to do my own will. I came to do the will of it. See, that sounds a lot like that prayer he's asking us to pray, doesn't it? All right, you got this, Miss Janice, John 6, 38 through 40. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. It's kind of the same idea, right? And this is the Father's will which hath sent me that all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. All right. So he's, Jesus said, I'm going to do so good doing the will of God, I'm going to get you in on it, and it's going to be good for everybody. <laughs> That's good. You hear Jesus talking a lot about doing the will of the Father. What Jenny said, what, what Janice said, that I, Jesus said, I don't do any of this on my own. So there was somehow or another, 
whether it was through prayer, the Holy Spirit gave Jesus revelation, or Jesus saw it unfold in front of him, or he just had a quickening in his spirit, or something happened. Jesus knew every time when he walked into a church, a synagogue, every time when he walked into somebody's house, every time when he saw a blind person, he knew immediately that God wanted to do something. He was that sensitive to what God wanted. And he brought it to pass. You want to know how he healed all those people? That's how. Because he healed them as a man, not as God. Now that's, that's, that's a whole other theological point right there. He came as a man, stripped himself of all of his deity. And when he walked around, he was 100% man. And he healed them. So when he's in the synagogue and he sees that woman in the back, it's been bowed over for all the years. He looks and he says, today's your day. That's what my daddy just told me. <laughs> Come here, girl. Straighten up. There's a few girls I need to call in and say, straighten up. Come in here, straighten up, right? <laughs> no, she had a physical problem that was manifested because of a spiritual issue in her life. Wow. It's crazy, isn't it? He, he, had, he had that keen awareness. Now, what Jesus is trying to put in us is something similar to that, to where we can do that. I mean, you, this has worked in your life from time to time, I can guarantee you. Somebody comes to mind. Maybe you wake up with it. Maybe it's riding down the road and so-and-so comes to mind. Have you ever thought maybe that's God saying, hey, make contact. Do something. Call this person. Drop them a line. Send them a text. Check on them. <laughs> maybe. Just think about it. Let's just start praying into this. We're getting more sensitive to God's voice and doing God's will. And pretty soon, we're doing it. We're doing it. All right. One old boy, <laughs> he wrote a book. He said, the reason I'm doing it and you're not doing it is because I'm doing it and you're not doing it. <laughs> Did you get that? That was the title of his book, actually. He wrote a little, little testimony book. He said, the reason I'm doing it and you're not doing it is because I'm doing it and you're not doing it. Anyway, that's, uh, that's good. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's, let's go into this last idea. I, I think we'll have time to just cover this last bit here. I want, you, I want you to see Jesus praying exactly what he told us to pray, okay? We're going to go to Gethsemane here. Excruciating time in Jesus' life. He is in the crucible. He is being crushed at this point in time, okay? We're picking up Matthew 26, verse 36. It says, then Jesus came with them, with the disciples. There's 11 of them now. Judas has already checked out, right? He's gone into the night. Then Jesus came with the disciples to a place called Gethsemane, a place of pressing, the, the place of the olive press, okay? It's probably the olive grove right there. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which were James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Jesus is praying. He's, he's in distress now. Pretty tough time for it. Then he said to them, to the three that were with him, he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Interesting that Jesus called praying, watching. Like, you know, a, watch, a watcher in, in a city that's fortified is somebody that's on the wall and they're watching for something coming, aren't they? Jesus likens praying to being that. Hmm. Look, look what he says. He went a little further 
Now, I, I, I infer by this that, that he leaves those three. So he's left eight others over there. He's left these three, and now he kind of goes by himself, and he falls on his face, and he prayed. And look at what he prayed. Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Now, we could just keep going and reading the sentence at normal pace and all that, but I'm not, I don't think that's how Jesus did it. He's in agony right here. Every word is weighed out and it's weighty on it. I hear a long pause. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I don't know how long the pause was. Maybe it was a few minutes or whatever. And he's just there and he's feeling the weight of all this. And then, then he, something wakes up in his spirit, man. And he says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Hmm. That's kind of what he's teaching us to pray. Because one of the things you're going to learn, if God's going to have his will in your life, your will is going to have to be sacrificed. And that seems like a terrible thing to us sometimes because we want what we want. But his way's higher, remember? You can stay on that low, but you can go high if you want to. What did Jesus do right there? He went high, didn't he? Then he came to the disciples and found them asleep. And he said to Peter, what? Wake up, man. Could you not watch with me one hour? Listen to what he teaches about prayer right here. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. I think there's something in that prayer he taught us about temptation, wasn't it? There's a connection to your strength to resist temptation and praying. He said, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Don't we know that? I done fell asleep in more than one prayer meeting. How about you? <laughs> Unfortunately. Verse 42, it says, again, a second time, Jesus went away and prayed. So, so he's had this interaction with the, the three that are asleep. And he goes back and he prays the second time. And he says, oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. All right. Verse 43, and he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. I don't know if it strikes you interestingly or not, but it's, it's really interesting that Jesus prayed three times about that in this struggle of doing God's will. I just think Jesus was taking on all of our sin, all the stuff is already starting right here. It's all, the weight of all of it, the betrayal of Judas, all of that is just weighed down. And he loves his guys. They're not doing so good. <laughs> you know, they're struggling too. It's not a good time for nobody. And Jesus is in this struggle. Now, the, the good news is he won the struggle. He teaches us how to win the struggle. Now, I, I, I don't know what the cup is that God wants you and I to drink. But Jesus did talk a little bit of something about us having a cross to carry too. Didn't he? He said, if you're going to come follow me, take up your cross. I did my, I'm going to do my cross, but you're going to do your cross. You're going to have to do yours. But see, here's the thing about the cross. The cross for us as believers is where the worst of you dies so the best of you can come alive. That's what we forget. We, we think about the pain and the agony of, the, of the, the excruciating pain of making that choice and denying myself and all that kind of thing because we hadn't quite grabbed a hold of the higher way yet. We're still holding on to this. 
<laughs> hey, the cross ain't no fun for any of us. But it's the only path to the higher way. It's the only path. It's the way this kingdom works. All right, let, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness in our life. We thank you for your blessing in our life, Lord. And uh, we, just, we just pull into that idea that you, you're, you're pulling us into. You're pulling us out of our old ways into your kingdom ways, Lord. And we just ask that our Father's will be done. Help us. Help us to, uh, to, to learn and sharpen our minds. Lord, we, we've, uh, sometimes we just get lazy, too. We just need you to help us, Lord. Help us. And just in, in the tradition of the psalmist and all that, Lord, teach us. Teach us. Teach us your ways, Lord. Teach us. I'm re reminded of what you said about Moses, that, that Moses knew your ways, the children of Israel knew your acts. Lord, we want to know your ways. We want to, anybody can see a miracle and say that's a miracle, but, but to know your ways and to walk in those ways, Lord, that's, that's where real true blessing is. And we thank you, Lord. Help us. Thank you for caring enough to bring us into this. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.